You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones and the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. Now I'm Matt. And Ashley's back. It's me again. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I won't leave you alone. (laughs) She's coming in your eardrums hot. (laughs) Loud and clear. And this week we are going into our second uh, movie in the Aliens franchise review. It's a pretty huge franchise. I don't know if anyone knows that out there. Have you two ever heard of this franchise? I've seen a couple of these. (laughs) (laughs) I have dabbled. (laughs) I've seen them a few times. Yes, Aliens. We're on the one that's so big and everybody loves it. It adds an S. It adds an S and we have to have more than two people on this episode just to take it all in. You're going out there to destroy them. That's the plan. All right, I'm in. The first time she survived the most terrifying creature in the universe, she thought the nightmare was over. Something under the floor. It hadn't even begun. Coming straight for That's inside the room. Sigourney Weaver, Aliens, the new movie. This time, it's war rated R. I think just like James Cameron was like writing like three movies at one time at this point, because he was just taking all this work after Terminator. And I seriously bet one night he's like, I don't know, there's more than one. So aliens, that seems to work. Let's go with that. Aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I mean, that pretty much feels like what they're doing with remakes nowadays. It's just like, let's just use the original title. And he's just like, I'll just add an S. Pretty good title. Move on. I think Alien 2 would have not had the same pizzazz that Aliens has, I guess, uh, for the franchise. He should have just called it A2, just like T2. Ooh. Oh, my God. Just his movies. Are <laughs> <laughs> They're saving that for Avatar, too. Yeah, A2. Oh, yeah. He knew. I got this really good story about these tree people. <laughs> if, if Avatar 2 is not called either A2 or Avatar's, I'm not seeing it. I'm just kidding. I'm seeing it. (laughs) But you'll still be extremely disappointed and like write him a letter. Yeah. Yes. It has been too long for those movies to come out. Like I, the hype, I feel like for the technology, he's like, we're doing the technology. It better blow my mind. (laughs) It better hit 4D. (laughs) Well, by the time we get to the sixth or seventh movie that they're making like a bajillion of them for some reason, maybe (laughs) then the technology will be mind-blowing james cut it out <laughs> just make us in the final terminator movie and, and we're good and we'll, we'll go away <laughs> what if they suck i've always thought that like what if it's not good i think that's how i feel like it might be like i think i'm it's more likely to suck <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for avatar 2 because that's the first one out the gate and, you know, James Cameron did T2, so it's like, okay. I mean, he knows how to do a sequel, but I, so I'm excited to see two. But three, four, five, however many there are, I don't know about that. Yeah, I really think it's going to, by three already, just we're going to be done. I'm sorry, it. but did T2 <laughs> come out 15 years after the first one? Uh, no. It came uh, seven years after the first That's one. That's like half. <laughs> 
I'm just like, if they can't save their planet by, you know, like three movies, I don't know if they're very good at their jobs. I'm just saying. I'm putting that out there. They seem to take care of the Marines really, you know, I mean, they did some damage, but what's left to save? That's all I'm saying. Like, is there another planet? There has to be another planet, right? P2, Pandora 2. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take a look at the VHS here. It is... I'm I'm looking at and you said you had a 93 one. I have a 92 one. I think they're the same. I think they're exactly the same. Uh, there's no trailers and it's just a black box. And this is during the time when the Aliens franchise was putting out the VHS is where they had the little box mm-hmm. in the middle of the tape here. And we're in this one. It's just a picture of Ripley and Newt and she's holding Newt and she's got the big gun. And, you know, there's the fire explosion behind her. But it's like a really, really, really tiny image in the center of this black box that just says aliens. And that's our cover. That's it. Um, And they did it. They did a line of these for like all of the movies. It depends on what VHSs you have. But I do remember seeing these a lot in the video stores. The aliens theatrical cut. None of the VHSs are pretty impressive. They all are very simple layouts on the front. Uh, you're either going to rent this movie or not. You know, like, I don't think the cover is going to sell you on this one. Yeah. The only cool one I saw was the 99 special edition. And that where they're like, it's 20 minutes of extra. And it's like a gold cover and it shows the queen alien. But you're right. Looking at all these re-releases and the original ones, they're not that good. Yeah, I think they're selling it on the movie. There's no re- there's no real need to give you any images or art or anything to, to sell you. It's just like, hey. Second alien movie. You want to see some aliens? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it doesn't matter, I guess. Like, it doesn't need a good cover. It's 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 an alien movie. You're in or you're out. Yeah. Uh, you flip it over to the back here, and we got a picture of the alien queen. That's the whole left side. And then we get a one still of, like, the face-off between Ripley and the queen from the end. And one still image. And then here's our quick description. Sigourney Weaver leads a high-tech space combat team in the stunning sequel to Alien. So when Weaver returns as Ripley, the only survivor from mankind's first encounter with the alien, her account of the alien and the fate of her crew is received with skepticism until transmissions from space colonists who have since settled on the alien's planet abruptly stop. Determined to end the recurring nightmares of her terrifying ordeal and to completely exterminate the deadly creature, Ripley joins a team of high combat vets sent to investigate the disappearance of the space colonists exclamation point i'm not sure why they did that i know i saw that i thought you were going to really lean into it but no i was i'm questioning the exclamation point yeah i'm questioning the exclamation point at the end there so that's our description yeah because at the end of the day i never really even cared about the space colonists but this one's just like space colonists (laughs) we love the colonists they are all dead We only see them in little pods. <laughs> Spoiler, they're not going to make it. Spoiler, everything is <laughs> a crazy time. Uh, I've always wondered what these aliens eat. We should go into that one day. <laughs> I think just like each other, maybe. I don't or know. Like... Grubs, just whatever. <laughs> I was like, do they do they eat the human bodies after like they pop out? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they just leave them. Because think of the one on the ship. Yeah, it's still just there. Yeah, I don't know what they eat. But they grow rapidly. Do they need to eat? Maybe they're bred to not even need to eat or drink or anything. They just have an appetite for murder. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that solves it. Murder feeds them. Your screams. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, screams definitely are the best sustenance. All right, let's put this tape in. 
No trailers. We're on to this, right to the feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. From one alien to this alien, uh, Xenomorph, uh, James Cameron coming back after Ridley Scott came out with, what was it, 79? Was that the original alien? Yeah. 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 So you've got, you know, a nice seven-year gap here. He likes that seven-year gap, doesn't he? I, the Alien series, too, has that, where there's pretty big gaps. It's only up until you get to the recent ones that the gaps get smaller. But uh, the, these old ones, you know, it's seven years in between these, and then it's another six years before the next one. And Sigourney looks the same in all, all of them. them. <laughs> she does not age. It's true. Yeah, the only when they're like, well, we need her to look different for the third one. Um, Shave her head. Ah, you're a genius. Yep. I think it is the hair. She's got more 70s hair in the first one. She's got kind of the more 80s, like shorter curl look in this one. And then, yeah, the 90s, she shaves it. So it's it's the only thing that the signifier that she's aged is the hair because her face, she looks exactly the same. Yeah, she's <laughs> aged well. I mean, even into up to the like 2010, I... There's a picture of her on IMDb, and I'm like, Jesus, what what are you eating? <laughs> She's a queen. <laughs> <laughs> Going into the, yeah, with 20th Century Fox, they seem to take their time a lot with the Alien franchise between each one. Now, I don't know if that's on purpose or they just, I mean, 20th Century Fox was just booming after Star Wars and Alien and everything like that. So I'm wondering if more of the time period was just they could wait. You know, it's not like they needed another hit. They had plenty of other ones. For this movie, they did need another hit at this point. So they were riding the high, in the, like you were saying, after Star Wars and Alien. But come 86 or 85 or whenever this you know started shooting, they were in trouble. They needed this to be a hit. So I wonder if they went back to the well and they were like, what can we franchise right now? Because we're in trouble. In 86, Fox was in a true rebel. <laughs> yeah, I knew they needed another. Well, they wanted another aliens but they just kind of like put it on the shelf and james cameron came and they wanted to work with him and he pitched a bunch of stuff and he said basically they were looking at him like eh, this might have been a waste of time for the meeting but they mentioned like hey we're thinking about bringing alien back do you want to take a shot at it and he's like of course and on the commentary he mentioned he's like oh my god i had to go home and study because i didn't know much i mean i saw the movie but uh but he also had a script called mother that he essentially took pieces from, put Ripley in, and then created a new world. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mother aspect of this film comes across, so that makes complete sense that he had a movie called Mother. <laughs> well, and that movie was about androids or something. Uh, so, like, it wasn't even about this, but he said what he did is he took Geiger's, like, feminine look and kind of horrific look of the aliens and then kind of he's like well who's laying all the eggs but that was on everyone's mind so he just kind of took what was in the zeitgeist at the time took the alien and then he put in ripley and then he figured like okay let's have these two fight it out kind of a simple that's kind of what james cameron does he's good at putting one really bad versus one really good and then trying to confuse you like he did in Terminator 2. Is the Terminator bad? I don't know. You know, like, that's what he does. <laughs> he does the same thing with, uh, he did it in um, Avatar. Like, when you look at it and they're like, are the Marines bad? Yes, of course they're bad. But he, like, tries to always do this, like, little turn with you. Like, is the Alien Queen bad? But at the end, we all like Ripley, so yeah. 
kill that queen. That was always my like little kid opinion. <laughs> I don't think I I ever thought like, is this alien queen bad? <laughs> I don't think I ever thought. Well, she's just doing her job. Yeah, I know. But it's like, you know, I'm in the perspective of a human and it's like you're destroying people. Yeah, that, and you have acid blood and you know, <laughs> yeah. little uh, face rippers that shoot out of your mouth and if stuff like that. If it was like just that, like yeah. walking around like, hey man, we're just like doing our own things. Like maybe we could be separate. No, that those things came in and took over and murdered people like without even blinking. Like, so there's no connection there. So me as a human, I am biased because I'm like, you're killing people. Yeah, well, I've kind of had more of the sympathy for like the alien and the next one in Alien 3, like Ripley's baby alien. Um, that was always one that like uh, I you know felt for a little bit. But that's, you know, that's that movie. This one. Yeah, it's like these are like bugs. <laughs> this is like this is like Starship Troopers 11 years before Starship Troopers. The aliens are like bugs. They're just laying eggs and they're everywhere and they're nasty and you got to blow them up. <laughs> This movie's just kind of like just goes it's all like machismo emotion and then you realize like at one certain point that none of that works against these aliens cuz everyone except Ripley comes into this very confident. They're like we're going to take these fuckers down. You know, this is just a bug hunt and all this yada yada. And it's the same thing like you said with Starship Troopers where they come in and you know, it's just like we're going to kill all these bugs. And then you're like, you know, these bugs are like literally manufactured to destroy everything. I mean, we later <laughs> find out. But at this point, we still didn't know where the aliens came from or the xenomorphs. Which did they ever bring up? I think this is the movie that introduced the name xenomorph. They say it like very early in the beginning. Like she is uh, intercepted, picked up. And it's been 56 years <laughs> since she's been floating around in space. And yeah, like very early in the briefing, they say a xenomorph. I also noticed that I was like, oh, I don't think they ever said that in the beginning, but we all know it as a xenomorph. So clearly this was the moment that coined it, which I always think it's funny because most franchises, it's a couple in where you get like the lore of an actual character. Because like if you do the Friday the 13th, would you guys just <laughs> wait, did you guys do this? No, I'm, no? Just, I'm no. just watching. Oh, this. okay. <laughs> We've been watching a lot of Friday the 13th, but like, you know, the image of jason doesn't come along until several in yeah that's just a huge franchise thing i feel like yeah i think this aliens is kind of like the halloween 2 where it's like you know the the laurie's his sister kind mm -hmm. of lore this is a sort of like this like ripley we learn who she has a kid back home this, we call them xenomorphs and we, yeah we really get a gauge for the lv426 planet mm -hmm. yeah yeah but i don't think we know i think they cut that scene it's they cut like the, the explanation scene. Yeah, but she has one line in this where she says like I had a daughter back home or whatever. Yeah, she she does say that. Yep. And it's such okay. a throwaway because that's why I always get mad. <laughs> it's movie. Yeah, they cut the scene for time where she finds out that her daughter has died during the 50 whatever years she's been asleep. And it's actually um, her mother in real life <laughs> that they, they put uh, as her daughter. I thought that was clever. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And Elle, this comes from Matt's. Like, you introduced it to me where how much her opinion, Sigourney Weaver, on scenes in this entire franchise, how she has changed her mind on it so many times where James Cameron felt bad when they cut it because Sigourney Weaver said, I based the entire character of this movie off that scene and you cut it. 
And then, and then 10 years later, she's like, yeah, I never really much was a fan of that scene. And then another into this special edition, she said, yeah, I wish that scene would have stayed. I'm glad they came out with the special edition because I based the entire character off of it. And Cameron even brings it up in his commentary. He kind of just like brushes it aside. You know, he's like, well, you know, know, sometimes actors opinions change. And then he just kept moving on. Uh, But I started to look up other things in her and she is... She sends a lot of mixed signals on her movies. I I really don't. She's kind of interesting. Yeah, she, I think she has a tumultuous relationship with Ripley. I think she loves this character and always wants to come back, but then always kind of feels burned somehow when she does come back. <laughs> Which, to, to her credit, absolutely. Like, if that's why she signed up to do this movie and then they cut that scene, you know, Alien 3 didn't go the way it was supposed to. Well, we know that. And then, like... Four just was too goofy and it was like the one she was producing and everything like that. So, yeah, she keeps putting all her eggs in the Ellen Ripley basket and the uh, filmmakers, the studio, whoever, just kind of keep fucking around all these movies. (laughs) I think it's interesting that like she initially said that it was she rebased her entire character on the notion that she had a daughter. And I think it's because like that does change the conversation of Ripley. The first film. It's so independent, so act on a moment's notice, and then you introduce this fact in the second one, and then especially with it cut out, it does seem like she's being, like, very motherly and soft the entire time, (laughs) like, because she's chasing this little kid around this whole place, and really panicked and worried about that, and so I could see how she would change the character, because to me, it doesn't feel like Ripley. From the first one. And that's like, that's my main issue, I think, with this second one. So like anybody who's listening and who loves aliens, like I'm not going to be your best friend. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably going to not like what I have to say about this movie. (laughs) She's a really interesting character because in the first one, she was supposed to be a man. And then they switched it. They're like, well, why can't she just be a woman? And a lot of that had to be because a producer really likes Sigourney Weaver. And then Ridley Scott's like, yeah, right on. Why not? All the characters in the first movie are very characteristic. They're like, she's intelligent. She likes to follow the book. Uh, She'll question authority. Like, that's Ripley's entire character in the first one. Yes. That's it. Uh, All of them are very simple. And so Cameron, when he got this, he's like, well, I can't just put the same character on screen. uh, Because why the hell would she ever go back? And so he had to, you know, put in like... She is kind of lost. Uh, She can't get anything. She has shithead corporate suits telling her that she can no longer do her job of the past. So there had to be like this incentive to get her to go back because no sane person would ever go back to these aliens. Because I would I even said in the movie, I don't give a fuck. I'll, I'll continue to work. I am not going back to those people. I think there are many other routes that that could have happened with. Making her be a mother is not the only option to send her back. (laughs) That's not why she went back, though. She went back to get her life back so she could work, so they would put her in. It didn't have anything to do with going back as a mother. The mother thing didn't come in. Oh, I thought you were saying like she she was lost now because like she didn't have a family back home. No, she's lost because she she can't work. 
That was like her entire career was part of her life. I think she's pissed off at Xenomorphs and is pissed off at the company she works for (laughs) and is like, I'm going to go. Like, I really liked the rage aspect she had in the beginning that immediately fell away once they arrived. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of questions, too, about her sort of change in character. Yeah, because like if you think of Ripley in the first one where she is willing to sacrifice some of that crew to protect mm-hmm. the rest of the crew when no one else is willing to do that, when she's like, hey, maybe don't let this guy back on the ship if he had something wrapped around his head. Uh, like, it's probably contaminated or whatever. Yeah, That Ripley would not care about Newt. She would just be like, let's get the fuck out of here <laughs> and let's make sure this thing doesn't get back I to mean, Earth. She, like, cared about the cat, so she went back for the cat, you know? Like, I think she could care for, like, something that is small and helpless, in a scenario like that. So I think she can. So like once once it makes sense, but I think her attitude in it is very strange. Like he like her it just doesn't sound like her at all. And yeah. like, yes, everybody is different. It's like I don't know. I saw her and Newt reflect each other because they they're not surviving with brute force. They're surviving with intellect and how they react in the scene. Like they are scared, but they're using their intelligence to get out. Newt's hiding while Ripley's using her intellect like she did in the first one yeah she's a smart character but like probably the smartest character out of any sci-fi franchise i've ever seen yeah well i love i love ripley because she's a smart strong female powerhouse that fucks up people but i i just think like the range of emotion could have been a little bit more it's a crutch (laughs) feels like a crutch i don't know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) never mind (laughs) I, I just don't like the rage feels like a crutch. I'm confused. No, the, the mother aspect feels like a crutch to me. It just feels like such a crutch. It, it feels like it's a, it's a dude writing a movie <laughs> for a strong female character. And yes, this female character is strong, but it is just like this perspective of, well, how do we advance her? And how do we make her stronger? Well, I guess she could be a mother. And it's like, yeah, you could do that. But like, I don't know. I just feel like Ripley shows how strong she is better in like three when she's on her own, left to her own devices and able to make her own decisions. Here, it just seems like a writing crutch where it's like, well, she's got to protect this kid. She she lost her daughter back home. And I also think it's fine to protect a kid like without being a mom. Yeah. Also that, too. Which they because like any of the any of the other members of the squadron could be like really concerned like what like Hicks or something like yeah. he kind of I feel like everybody kind of ignores the kid <laughs> except for is this just her imagination? Oh, there, there's a there's a whole thing that go down. <laughs> I only think two characters actually care about Newt, and it's Hicks and Ripley. That's it. And I think Ripley cares about Newt more of like she cares about the cat, and I think Hicks always just cares. What Ripley cares about. Yeah, because there, there's a weird mixture between her and Hicks, even though they never explore it, which I'm so happy they didn't. They both are kind of uh, similar and different at the same time because he's also not like the machismo Marine. He seems to be the Marine that's more like, I'm thinking <laughs> about everything. He, you know, he's weird because he's not really a leading man in this, but they kind of portray him as the leading man. It kind of comes later. It, it like I feel like we are introduced into this ensemble of like these gunheads, uh, <laughs> and like 
he's kind of just like a, a generic member of the team. They're all like, hoorah, you know, <laughs> like it's that kind of vibe. And then much later in the film, he kind of feels more like in a position of power. So I feel like the dynamics were a little um, fuzzy for me because mm. I don't know who's necessarily in charge of this. Like, <laughs> and then there's a lot of like the people who are running the money, you know, is it Burke who's like, who turns out to be just like scum, corporate you know, grease ball. corporate grease ball, of course. But it's <sighs> like I, the hierarchy is so confused. I feel like when we meet everybody, because it's like, I get it. You're, you're interested. You're introducing like a huge new group of people, but it just gets a little fuzzy. <laughs> and for, for a movie with so many just like characters talking in a room. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> well, that's uh, what did so well with the first one. And that's probably why they were excited to do that again. Yeah, I mean, it works in the first one. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, but <laughs> I completely disagree with you, man. I think the talking in the room with this is just entertaining. Because Bill Paxton is just fun. Uh, he's an idiot. But he is a fun idiot. And uh, his when they were sitting there uh, going through this movie, he was talking about how all, all the Marines wanted to work out and get in shape. And he's like, and the rest of them did. But I needed to drink. So <laughs> he just talks about how he just partied during this whole thing. And then like Jan, um, Goldstein, which I did not know this was this character from T2 until like into the 2000s because she's so much. She looks so different. And uh, they talked about how they all worked out together. Cameron had them all hang out and they all talked about how Paxton just basically just went out and drank every night. <laughs> yeah, he's he's and he's funny in this movie, but he's I don't I, in my opinion, he's not in it like enough in, in those talking scenes. You get Bill Paxton in your movie and he's not like. The star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, there was enough scenes with just like Paul Reiser talking in rooms that I was just like, God damn, I thought this was supposed to be an action movie. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of action. There's plenty of action, but I think there's plenty of talking too. <laughs> um, yeah. I have a lot of issues with the pace of this movie. Yeah. That's kind of like a Cameron thing too. This reminds me a little bit of True Lies when there's parts in this movie where I'm like, yeah, we just, we can go go a little bit faster but he oh man he likes to set up story jesus there's like a huge portion of this movie where okay this is like <laughs> i feel so bad but i i've only seen this two times and that's where all of the the fans of aliens are like well she doesn't even know she, like, her, her opinion doesn't matter. count it doesn't matter <laughs> she doesn't even know she didn't grow up with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't grow up with it but there's like, I, I laughed because this feels like such a huge toy commercial. Like, <laughs> and it is. There's so, it's like alien, but plus all these big guns and these almost mech suits and these like crazy versions of the aliens. But then like when in between when they're all suited up and holding the things, we get a lot of quiet walking around quite a bit during the middle of it. And I did doze off last night, like in the middle of it. And I felt so bad and we had to stop it. Cause I was like, I'm falling asleep to this because we just hit that pocket of the movie where like, it is just kind of introducing like weapons and walking around a and little like, bit. Yeah, just like military, like we're gonna go over here and then this is what we're gonna, like military plans, which, <laughs> which is just like for me too, a kryptonite. Any like military stuff like that, war stuff. Like I just don't like it in movies. Um, uh, yeah, it, we stopped it yesterday. That's the thing is like uh, Cameron 
all of his stories have to be so long. Like I just, it feels like the same thing. I, I've had the same conversation with Avatar where there's parts in there where I'm like, yeah, I like the movie a lot, but man, there's just a lot of like, okay, this has to happen because this happens. And then, th- oh, don't forget to tell this story because that happens. Like, I feel it's like Ripley when she's like, well, I feel kind of like a fifth wheel around here. Can I do something? I don't know. Can you? And then they have to set up the suit. And that's like a five minute scene to set up the fight at the end. But he does that in so many sections of his movies. Yeah, but for two hours and like what, 10 minutes, minutes long? Yeah, I uh, I think like not the story aspect, like them walking around doing nothing. You know, it, it's not, yeah, it's like not it's... the story. And I just feel like maybe a difference in like vibe because I think the first one in those quiet moments, it feels eerie because it it is like, a it, it gets the advantage that it's the first one because like, there's kind of a scary element to it. Like there is a threat. There is one single threat you are worried mm-hmm. about. And so in the second film, there's threats apparently all around. And you have a giant group of people who are aware of the threat, but don't care because again, like you said, the confidence level that they have, which like is good in a turn of character. Cause it's like, they get to see it. And then they're like, Oh shit, this is real. Um, but it just doesn't feel like the stakes don't feel as high, even though it's like even crazier. You know, I think the second one like turned it up like to 20, whereas like usually sequels will only go to like, you know, 12. <laughs> like in addition to like the first film, you know, like this really went all out in like volume of what was the threat. But I didn't feel more scared. I wish I would have also seen the aliens more than just like the last 45 minutes of this movie. Like we get one scene where we see them where like the threat is sort of revealed when they're and it's all it's all fast cuts and stuff like that, too. So we really don't see much, which is a bummer because like I like the look of the aliens in this movie. Yeah, but we just really don't get like for a two hour and 18 minute movie. We just don't get the look at the aliens good until the last 45, 50 minutes. And I heard that's that's really disappointing. Uh, and I, I we were watching it this time, too. And yeah, at the point at which, yeah, there's just Marines walking around talking. I'll tell you what I know. We sat down on LV-426. One of our crew members was brought back on board with something attached to his face, some kind of parasite. We tried to get it off, it wouldn't come off. Later, it seemed to come off by itself and die. Kane seemed fine. We were all having dinner and, um, it must have laid something inside his throat, some sort of embryo. He started, um, he... Look, man, I only need to know one Thing. where they are no, anytime anywhere man. right right somebody said alien she thought they said illegal alien and signed up <laughs> Fuck you, man. anytime anywhere are you finished i hope you're right i really do yeah okay right thank you ripley we also have Ripley's report on disc. I suggest you study because it. Because just one of those things managed to wipe out my entire crew in less than 24 hours. And if the colonists have found that ship, then there's no telling how many of them have been exposed. Do you understand? Anyway, we have it on disc, so you better look at it. Any questions? What is it, Private? How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? You secure that shit, Hudson. Uh, I, I was like, where the fuck are the aliens? 
And I've seen this movie like a hundred times. So. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I like the buildup. I just don't like so much of the buildup. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't need 50 minutes yeah. of buildup. Can I get just like 30? Yeah, I'm good with a 20, 30 range of that too. But yeah, 50 minutes is pretty much how long it took to get to that portion where mm -hmm. there are aliens all up in the room they're in and they're like stepping on like organic matter. I'm like, guys, red flag. <laughs> the ground is basically aliens. <laughs> well, I feel like the one scene that like could be trimmed down too is when the Marines are like entering the base and I yes. realized there are, there's like, I watched it. There's, I think, 12 to 14 minutes of them doing stuff before they get to the face hugger, like laboratory. And that yes. was a part where I'm like, that is Cameron who, who just loves to show all the production stuff. He loves to build and build and build. He's a gearhead. He's like yeah. a tech head. He, yep. he loves all of those details. And like, I think this. I, I'm fine that this movie exists. Like, you know, it gives, it gives us more of the world. But I think for his career, it is beneficial because when he went on to do Avatar, like, yes, it has the same kind of pacing issues or whatever. But like that dude spent his entire brain like creating a new like level of technology and species and stuff. So I feel like this was almost like little baby steps for that. And I mean, yeah. also terminator and everything like he keeps one-upping himself and i think this one is like kind of like the early stages of him like being like okay alien life how am i gonna <laughs> yeah explain the technology and everything and now it's funny and being in 2021 to be like oh that's cute <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i and i think it works in terms of like his world building of like i think the sets and the production design are amazing I think the cinematography, the look, the art direction of this movie are amazing. I think this movie is a great looking movie and a unique looking movie. Mm -hmm. And it, it sort of turned sci-fi in the 80s or whatever um, to action sci-fi. I, and I think visually it's all there. My my problems with Cameron, I guess, come with the script. I think the script, script. is kind of lazy. <laughs> well, he was writing three at one time, so I could see why he uh, just did some stuff. He's like, oh, I just stole this from here. I mean, I mean, I took it. I mean, I, I made it better. <laughs> like whatever Cameron uh, excuse you want to put in there. He's man, three. I can't even believe he wrote three scripts at the same time. That's insane. I'm not even I'm not even a, a Cameron hater either because obviously I, the Terminator movies oh, are yeah. like my favorites. Like I I love the I Terminator love that movies. I love Avatar. Uh, yeah, I think Avatar is really fun. I really like Avatar a lot, and I and I do like this movie. But man, it's got its problems for me. <laughs> yeah, I I think I've always been like you know this movie could be trimmed down to like an hour and fifty five minutes, and it's probably a lot better. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I think. That would be on par with the first one because that's about how long the first one is and it just feels a little bit tighter and and the focus is more i think when like we the movie starts really fast like we pick up ripley mm -hmm. she has a dream where she gets all of the exposition <laughs> yeah, to bad writing <laughs> <laughs> oh cameron cameron just dropped an exposition yeah, Cameron loves to do this to us. Um, and then, I was like, I, I just, again, we watched it this time and I was like, it's a dream. 
How does she have all this exposition? (laughs) (laughs) So we'll just glance past that. (laughs) But yeah, so it's very quick. She's emotional about it. Then they're like, bada bing, bada boom. We don't care what you say. We don't listen to you. And then this other dude comes in and he's like, by the way, you know, your concern about that fucking colony we set up on that planet. They have all gone missing and we cannot... (laughs) connect with them so maybe something is going wrong so it's like very quick in terms of like nobody believes you you're crazy just kidding we're gonna send you there because something (laughs) might be going wrong but we're gonna absolutely spend all of our energy disrespecting you at every yeah not listening to you there either yeah so it's so frustrating i know it's like a second a second movie where we have to watch (laughs) ripley not be listened to the whole time and it's like god damn it somebody just fucking listen to ripley (laughs) i know those those two suits like the arrogant asshole at the top and then that woman who's like yeah so so it's a derelict rock like those two i just want to send out the airlock they piss me off so much get them out of there we don't need them (laughs) i would never do this but she goes right up to like the lead guy puts her arm in front of him and goes how many families are on that i'm like wow why don't you just check out lv426 because i don't have to there have been people there for over 20 years and they never complained about any hostile organism you mean What people? Terraformers. Planet engineers. They go in, set up these big atmosphere processes to make the air breathable. Takes decades. It's what we call a shake-and-bake colony. How many are there? How many colonists? I don't know, 60, maybe 70 families. Do you mind? I think the beginning of this, it's a little, like, it's a little strange, but, like, when you... Take my perspective, who had never seen... I had seen the first one, like, a lot growing up, but I hadn't seen, like, the second one. And so when I first watched, I was like, okay, it's a little clunky, but it's, like, you know, exciting because, like, she's already fired up. And I think that's why I don't love the rest of the movie, like, when they actually get there and, like, the mission starts. Because that steam kind of goes out because, like, I love fired up Ripley, scrappy Ripley. Like, I do like the scene with her and Newt, like, kind of trapped... Um, in that, I, I don't know, observation room or something, the medical room and where um, the, the face huggers come out everywhere because they are using, like you said, they're smarts and they're using like the tables to kind of crush them and like hold them against the bed. They, they squish them against the wall. It's like the energy is there again mm-hmm. in her character. But a lot of the movie, it's kind of just her going, Newt, 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 <laughs> and running. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I get it. The little girl's name is not Rebecca. It is Newt. <laughs> so why did we even have to know her name was Rebecca? <laughs> yeah, that another like thing. Like, why is that even in here then? <laughs> why was she nicknamed Newt? All these years, I honestly don't know. There's a reason, I'm sure. But I'm sure it's just like she crawls around a lot and she's like a little lizard. She's, <laughs> she's like a little fast lizard. And maybe like her family called her that because she liked to scrounge around the new planet or something. I don't know. Or her middle name is Newton. Rebecca Newton Jennings or whatever it is. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know if you just made that up, but is that true? No, I I've just made that up. I just made I just made that up. <laughs> you know what? It's fact. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I bet Cameron is like, finally, someone understands me. 
James Cameron is like, there is one man who understands my brain. <laughs> I Yeah, I no. wish we had a gavel that officially changed the internet, right? When we hit it. Okay, it's official. We're the judges of the... There we go! <laughs> I was afraid I was going to snap my coaster in half. <laughs> and then a face hugger would pop up. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the face huggers and all the the aliens and everything that Stan Winston did, that is awesome. Uh, what he did to create all these, to, like to take the old uh, Geiger like um, examples and illustrations, and then create the. I mean, the Queen. We'll get to it in the end, but even the face huggers, he looked at and he goes, "They're perfect. I'm not changing them. I'm just gonna make them move better." Yeah, and, and that's like. Kind of like what Stan Winston seems to do in all of his movies. If it's perfection already, he doesn't change it. But if it needs to be added on to, he just seems like he's a great guy to work with. Or, well, was. I think it's like a simple evolution in it. Like, he appreciates the natural design of it and then, like, either keeps it simple or or upgrades it in simple ways or natural ways. Because the facehuggers, they look great. And the way they, like, kind of... We get to see them move a lot more. Yeah, they're because more they're like hand more... puppety. Yeah, yeah. like the fingers and stuff. Yeah. So we get to see like those digits, each like little joint move and mm-hmm. everything. And I think there is like a little bit more attention to the detail because again, like you have a, a probably a bigger budget. You probably, I mean, I don't know anything. Like I'm assuming it had a pretty decent budget. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a bajillion mm-hmm. bucks on screen. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, I think it's really impressive. Like all of the, and then also there's so many different varieties of Xenomorph. Is it different ages of them, kind of? Or like, yeah, I don't know, different species within it? But... I think it's like ants, where there's like the kind of warrior ones, and mm-hmm. then there's kind of just the gatherer ones. Like, I think they're, they're it's like an ant colony, kind of. That's they the do vibe I got. Like that. They, they brought that, Hawks brought that up. He's like, yeah, it's like ants. And they're like, you mean like bees? And he's like, you know what I mean, man? <laughs> like they, <laughs> they had that whole, I don't think it was an argument, but they were like trying to figure it out. I don't know if this is supposed to be based off bees or ants because they bring them both up, but uh, it doesn't matter, does it? I mean, whatever. Queen, laying eggs, move on. We were talking about it earlier. Like, they're a bunch of bugs. Yeah, They're insects. So, like, that is a really... I I think it is an inspiration for what these are supposed to be like. We don't know what aliens look like, so it's like, oh, take armor of an insect take the look the the well, yeah even even like roaches too because like the what we, they're the perfect <laughs> organism or whatever where yeah. they won't be killed by anything you know like and if you step on them they make babies you know like it's like it feels like ants roaches and bees combined or something <laughs> which is my absolute worst <laughs> nightmare <laughs> that is a horrible nightmare i think matt just made the new lions tigers and bears it's like ants bees and cockroaches <laughs> Ew. Yucky. Yucky. Ew. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. I hate how gooey everything in this movie is. Oh my god. Yeah, everything's got slime on it. Everything has slime on it. It's the 80s, baby. (laughs) I didn't realize how wet the the xenomorphs were. The the xenomorph in the first one until like rewatching it a little bit older. I'm like, wow, it's really wet. And this one just goes, everything's wet everyone's sweaty <laughs> i wonder if like the atmosphere is just a little bit more humid or something on this it has because be. everyone is perspiring 
The people are perspiring. The xenomorphs are perspiring. <laughs> There's goo coming out of every possible pocket imaginable. But yeah, there is like a, a moistness to the first film xenomorph yeah. that does carry over. And I think that's smart. But again, like James Cameron just like turns the dial up 200% and it's like, we got to have buckets. Buckets of slime. Buckets of moisture <laughs> everywhere. Even the walls and the floors, because it is like that organic matter. And you're like, ew. <laughs> Everything, everything's squishy in this. Everything's squishy. Here's an example of that. You know, in the facehugger in the first one where they cut, you know, and the, the alien or the uh, acid blood drips down nice and slow and everything. But in mm -hmm. this one where they shoot them, the acid blood explodes. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll mess up anyone. He's like, well, let's put a squib there. And actually, can you make that squib a little bit bigger? There we go. Boom. A little bit more mucusy. <laughs> That's James Cameron onto everything. Let's just make it a little bigger. He's the Tim Allen <laughs> of directors. <laughs> bigger, louder. Just go as fast as you can. Except Tim Allen, you know, blew shit up. Well, I guess James Cameron does too. I don't know. There we go. There's your link. James Cameron is the Tim Allen of directors. Does Tim Allen make things bigger? And louder. In what? <laughs> In home, home improvement. The beautiful tool time truck, blood, sweat, and gears. Ah, ah. <laughs> this is not your standard Detroit issue. We've made a few engine modifications. Of course, when you say we, you mean you. That's right, Al, because if I left it up to you, we'd be on a skateboard in a moped. <laughs> you hear that? That's a big block Chevy 454, two four-barrel carburetors nestled on aluminum high-rise manifold headers and dual exhaust. It's been quite some time since I've seen that. Oh, that's what he's always, you know, like everything I hear is <laughs> when he always does that. Like, oh. <laughs> Uh, I like James Cameron a lot more than I like Tim Allen, though, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like Lance Hendrickson's, like, performance as Bishop in this a lot. How he took the old android who had a lot of problems and then kind of went crazy. It didn't kind of. It went completely insane. Uh, and this one, they stuck with, you know, like, the artificial intelligence getting better. And just how he's just so... Nice. I just want to like talk to Lance Hendrickson, talk, tell him about my problems in this. I think he'd just be the nicest little android. Or, or oh, I'm sorry, artificial intelligence. I think in his little artificial intelligence chip, they added a, yeah, a level of humanity to him because like in the first one, he's a little harsh, a little cold, you know, yeah. and then he, you know, did what he did. Um, <laughs> but this film yeah, he is much more of a function of the mission and like an aid. He feels like an aid mm -hmm. in their in their like little regime or whatever. Um, and I do like that they kept the milky blood, the milk blood, the milk <laughs> blood, and like they really leaned into it. So it's like he's advanced, but like the technology is still very similar to the original like he's got like milk sacks all up in him because when he blows up it's pretty gross <laughs> i have never understood the milk blood i i don't get that at all i bet james cameron has an entire scientific paper about what that fluid is 
And you know Wrigley Scott doesn't, and it's just like, it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty much a lot of Ridley Scott. And that's the difference between these two auteurs. <laughs> and that's why they're both great, you know. <laughs> Uh, one of the all-time favorite looks I've ever seen a character give another character is when Ripley's like showing the Queen Alien like I've got fire, I'm gonna burn your babies, and then she starts to walk off, and then the the egg opens, and you see Ripley's head tilt like you you think this is gonna work, and then she just blows the shit out of it. I love her head tilt in that. Like there is no need for dialogue. It says everything. You think you can trick me? I'm gonna kill your babies, and she does. Yeah, that's like a really good, uh, it's it's nice to see like, yeah, it's aliens and a human being and like body language says mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, because, they're communicating without communicating. Yeah, the queen kind of like nods to each of her lackeys on the, either side and they back off because like they know there's a threat. So it's like, yeah, the body language is coming through like very nicely and it, it's it makes it feel, yeah, more natural. I guess, because like that's how living organisms kind of interact with each other. You have to like be aware of the body language and like what energy you're putting out. And I think it came across very clearly. And then um, that little egg baby opened up and uh, fucked everything up. One of my favorite uh, looks is uh, from Sigourney Weaver is early on in the movie when she tries on the exosuit the first time <laughs> and she like looks at them and kind of like poses when yeah. she's in it. And I was like, that's fucking hilarious. That was for the toy commercial. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I had that toy. I mean, it worked. I had the little exosuit toy <laughs> with, the, with the little Ripley you put inside. <laughs> Send in the Marines! Ripley's got the power loader. How's that grab you? All the firepower a marine could ask for. When things get buggy, sting them with the stinger. Rock them and rope them. Ugly aliens getting you down. Send in the marines. Aliens. Yeah, I always wanted it, so I would have been the kid jealous of you. But I did have the queen alien, so we could have played. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would have been like, get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like just like the upgrade to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, when we were all seeing, damn damn this one was just like you get away from her you bitch like oh, <laughs> no <laughs> oh the battle at the end i always and I, I really do always forget that this happens because the movie feels like it's over so much you know we find out yes we find out that bishop waited for her and I always love it when she's just like, you did good, Bishop. And like Bishop's like a dog. He's just like, you can see his tail wagging. He's so happy. He's like, I did do it. I did good. And then he gets ripped in half. <laughs> yeah, I earned respect from somebody who hated me from before because of another experience. Oh, God. <laughs> There's just milk everywhere. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. When he gets ripped in half, it looks good. <laughs> I love, love seeing Bishop get shredded here. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and I know it's coming each time. And each time, this is what I think. How the hell did that alien get on that ship? And this, I have picked it up. I know I've listened to the commentary that it hid in the like landing gear and all that. But I still look at that ship and I'm like, I don't think she could fit in that. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Big lady. Yeah. I think they would have felt her 
uh, wait. <laughs> like she didn't uh, make. Everybody's just sitting there, like, oh, what the hell was that? <laughs> what was that? Oh, it jerk, must be nothing. No, it's a giant queen xenomorph ready to snap everyone's neck in half. <laughs> my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Either way, absolutely uh, ridiculous. <laughs> I'll let this. I'll let the script logic jump. You know, it's okay. I'll let it go because the the fight is fun. We have an ultimate toy commercial fight at the end, which I mean, as an '80s baby and you two being '90s uh, kids, we have to accept this. <laughs> this is just what we lived in. Spielberg ending, right? Where it's like it can't possibly get any worse, and then it gets worse, and then you're like, well, it can't possibly get any worse, and then it gets worse. This is yeah. This feels very Spielberg uh, here with this ending because even when she gets the alien to the airlock, of course she falls, and it's like, is she gonna get out? You know, and then she's struggling there too. It's never easy. It's never just an ending here. It does feel like there are a couple false endings because, like, honestly, when she gets new and like throws grenades in there, that could have been the ending. Credits could have rolled, or like when Bishop shows up, Mm -hmm. that could have been the ending. It just never seems to end. <laughs> it just won't end. It's so long. I think that's why too. But it is really funny that final fight, like the toy aspect. It does feel like kids holding two the, action figures. The, the, yes, it feels yeah. like someone's holding it and moving it towards each other and going clang, clang, clang. And like, yeah, I love that it's more practical. And so of course it's a little clunky, but like it goes on for so long. For a second where I'm like, okay, <laughs> we can get out of the suit well, now. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Stan Winston and James Cameron, like, on a late night, like, coming up with storyboards. And then she uses a torch, and then she picks her up, and then she opens the airlock, and it's just them clanking. Like, that's probably exactly how that was written. Yeah, that's how it feels. And it's the toy commercial. That's how you're going to sell it. I do think it's interesting, like... I haven't seen this movie obviously on anything other than VHS. I'm curious like of any cleanups since I'm sure there's like higher quality versions and stuff. I wonder if in those versions I can see anything in the movie. (laughs) I feel like everything is the same color. It is very desaturated in a way, Um, especially when they're like entering like the mission zone area. I can't really see the action that's happening. I prefer to watch these movies on VHS, honestly. Yeah, you kind of it's you kind of want the widescreen aspect to kind of see all the cool sets and stuff like that. But I really feel like in the full frame and in sort of the the film look process, you know, where it's on on the videotape, you can actually see more. I feel like uh, what's happening kind of in the main frame. Um, I I I prefer these on VHS personally. I just couldn't see. Like there, it's so many quick edits Mm -hmm. and so much like gunfire and, and I know that's the whole point. It's supposed to be chaotic, but like you have really awesome set pieces and really awesome effects with the xenomorphs. Like I would like to see a little bit more of it than like just like a, a second of it, you know, like Mm. I, I need to see it a little bit better. So I think like that middle section of the movie, even leading into like their kind of big battle, like with the whatever the Marines Marines, um, that is frustrating me because I'm like, I know you guys are doing something. I just can't really see it. It just feels so claustrophobic, which I think is probably a point, but it's just not my preference of it because like I really want to appreciate what is on the screen. Yeah, I bet Cameron was trying to replicate the claustrophobia like right when they enter 
and they start fighting and we can only see what they see through their shitty cameras. They're like body yeah. cams. I, I, I bet that was exactly what he was trying to do. He didn't really say it in the commentary, but it did. It felt like most of this movie feels wide open compared. I mean, it's complete opposite of what Ridley Scott was doing. Yeah. Except that portion right there. And I bet that was totally on purpose. Yeah, it is because it's like such an open colony area. They're kind of in different locations. Whereas like the first one, you're in like the same ship circling a bunch. So you like we almost know the layout of the first movie in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one, it's like, what's behind these pipes? What's behind these pipes? It's just like a never ending chamber. It is big, but also, yeah, still claustrophobic. So I think it achieved something there. It's just like with how many people and action moments, I just couldn't tell what was going on. Lost in the chaos mm -hmm. a little bit. I got a little lost in the chaos. Yeah, and I wonder if that was on purpose too. I never feel like I know where they are in this installation base. Mm -mm. And then at the end, it's like blowing up and it's huge. I feel like I didn't, it felt very like ground oriented before and then at the end it's like 20 stories high or something right like the nostromo in the first one you know like you said you know the whole layout you can walk around the ship in your brain you mm -hmm. know this one yeah i have no kind of gauge where they are at any given point i it's mean it's amazing I, that they can find where they're going <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like i'm not lost i'm not confused as a viewer i'm just saying like it is it's so much space to play in i don't have a map in my head of where they are it's so massive that maybe it was on purpose. I don't know. I'll let Cameron defend that or, I don't know, explain it. Okay, Cameron, go. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Well, 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 okay. Well, I really... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he would get the most non-answer possible, I'm sure. <laughs> it's all about imagination. <laughs> so, other than, you know, Ripley, of course. She's awesome. She's our favorite. So, uh, do you guys have favorites and least favorite characters in this? <laughs> Newt, least favorite character. Uh, <laughs> I'm so fucking mean. I don't care. Come at me, 80s babies that love this movie. Come at me. Newt's fucking annoying. <laughs> Matt definitely has a thing where he cannot stand when children characters just scream the entire movie. And Can't to be it. fair, Newt does scream mm -hmm. quite a bit because there's a lot of scary shit happening for a baby. But yeah. as a viewer, I'm annoyed as shit. <laughs> so Newt's my least favorite for sure. And other than Ripley favorite character, I don't have one. <laughs> I think it's hard for me because I feel like the Marine group are kind of all the same. They're not. They're not. They, they definitely give you enough time to know their individual personalities. <laughs> They're not. But like, I don't necessarily feel any way about anybody. I think I'm always like a little, I, I loved the moment when, is it Vasquez and who's the other guy? They, they blow each other, they blow themselves up to mm -hmm. kind of sacrifice. I think that's a cool moment for those characters, but like, I just don't really connect with anybody that much. I like Bill Paxton because I like Bill Paxton. Yeah. <laughs> but that's because I like Bill Paxton. I also like Michael Bean, but I don't think Michael Bean has anything to do in this movie. Who's the right? character who plays Burke? The Paul Reiser? Oh, Paul, Paul Reiser. Reiser. Yeah. Okay. 
So maybe he's one of my favorite characters. From I this. literally was thinking that too, though. If I had to say somebody, that would have been my favorite character because he's the worst. <laughs> he is doing something so specific mm-hmm. that it's frustrating. You can't stand him. You're disappointed by him because at first he's the one who believes Ripley and he like, he like tells her like, hey, this is the way out. And he like manipulates her into doing this and then turns out to be just like, has no spine and he's awful. I've got to get to work. All right. I heard you're working in the cargo docks. That's right. Running loaders and forklifts, that sort of thing? so? Nothing. I think it's great that you're keeping busy. And I, I know it's the only thing that you could get. There's nothing wrong with it. What would you say if I told you I could get you reinstated as a flight officer? The company has already agreed to pick up your contract. If I go. Yeah, if you go. Come on, that's a second chance, kiddo. And I think personally for you, it would be the best thing in the world to get out there and face this thing. Get back on the horse. Spare me, Burke. I've had my psych evaluation this month. Yeah, I know. I've read it. You wake up every night, your sheets are soaking with sweat. I said no, and I mean it. He is doing that type of character pretty well, in contrast to, like, how the first film we have the android doing those things. It's like, this is a nice human version of it. Um, So I thought he did a pretty good job. And I don't think a lot of people, well, you just said it, but like people who love this movie, I feel like they're like, no, Bert's the worst. (laughs) But I think he did a good job. I think he did a great job of being the worst. That's his whole point of his character. It's great. Uh, Yeah, he's really good. Mine isn't so much like, characters it's like little moments from these characters i always love exactly you know like when hudson he's like show us the trick bishop hey bishop man do the thing with the oh knife. please oh, come on yeah 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 do it, Bishop. Hey, not me, man. <laughs> yeah, you. Hey, come on, come messing around. Don't come move. On. Trust me. And I know originally it was supposed to be Bishop just doing it with his own hand, but then Lance Hendrickson asked Cameron if he could do something and he's like, it would be a lot better and there'd be a lot more tension if we did it with the little jackass Hudson's hand. And like, they all liked it. They're like, that's great. And then like uh, at one point, you know, Vasquez, her joke. Hey, Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? (laughs) Oh, Vasquez. (laughs) He just too bad. I also love her little scene where she gives Bishop the gun and Bishop looks at the gun and then just immediately hands it to Ripley. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what am I supposed to do? What am I going to do with this? Uh, Yeah. So there there are little bitty scenes throughout this, but uh, one of mine that I'm like, I've never been a big fan of Corporal Hicks, Michael Bean's character, because he's, he really doesn't do anything. And they kind of made a joke on that. Um, The reason he's asleep on the ship 
you know, when the, I don't know, their sergeant or whatever says, well, someone wake up Hicks. I mean, Sigourney Weaver behind the scenes, like was walking past him. And apparently Michael Bean had fallen asleep on, uh, on set. And she said as a joke, this wasn't like ripping him or anything. She goes, Hey, look at our leading man, everyone sleeping right through it. You know, <laughs> and walk, and they put it in the movie. I think that's amazing. That's great. Yeah, and I, apparently they were all in good spirits, even though they said this was a hard shoot. Of course it was. It's Cameron. But they said they They're all They're became... soaking wet the whole time. Yeah. Of course it's a hard shoot. <laughs> but he said they had them all hang out and everything, practice their lines and become better acquainted with each other. And they, uh, a lot of them were friends to this day. They still talk to each other. And I find that amazing. Uh, and, you know, they were so sad when Bill Paxton passed and apparently went to his funeral and everything like that's Aww. that's kind of really interesting that characters, actors could like just hang out for a few weeks and become that type of friends. And they said a lot of it had to do with them constantly going to cons as well. So it was like each time it was like a reunion. And they also said fans sometimes ask the stupidest questions. And I was like, no, der. <laughs> that's what they're best at. Mm. Can you imagine? <laughs> let's take let's take her. Let's, let's I already take know where her, you're going. No. <laughs> imagination second. Can you imagine having to be a moderator for a no. QA for this movie? No. And it's just like a bunch of like no offense, listeners, <laughs> but a bunch of sweaty black shirts, you know? <laughs> Being like black hoodies. Fucking aliens. <laughs> aliens. When you did this, did it mean this? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Aliens would be my number one movie I would never want to uh, moderate a Q&A for. <laughs> no, I know which ones. I would not want... No, I'm not even going to <laughs> I have so many because I've been to some of them. I'm like, yeah, that is not a good way. If I was the moderator, I would just be like, bad question, next. Next. <laughs> I had to walk out of a Doctor Who one. I'm like, I can't do this. Oh, this, no. I was mortified by a panel with uh, Malcolm McDowell and this nerd clockwork orange clockwork orange super fan super fan was asking the most awful questions and like uncomfortable it was basic oh I can't even get into it but I made my skin crawl and I was like I will never come to these again <laughs> and and malcolm mcdowell's like such a troll too in yeah. real he's life like, what are you and he's saying? just gonna he's encouraging this guy to just double down on his awful questions and it's like yeah it was skin crawly for sure and i imagine similar experiences would happen at an aliens q a <laughs> i just don't need that Mm-mm. all right let's go on to the museum This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out into the film jungle and bring something back. And we're bringing something back to the James Cameron slash Aliens franchise wing of the museum. Ashley, you're the guest. You get to go first. Oh, my goodness. This is so difficult. Um... I mean, like, I don't know if she'll fit in there, but like the queen probably should just go in the museum. Yeah, it's cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's a little (laughs) funky, but it's big. (laughs) It's like enormous. So that's to be expected, especially with like practical effects at this time, I think. Um, But it's like a pretty cool evolution of it. Ooh, oh my God, what I do not want to be in the museum is that like birthing sack tube that she detaches herself from. (laughs) 
Yucky. I absolutely did not like that moment where she's like, oh, I got to go get this girl because my baby's on fire. Let me separate from my birthing tube. Gross. (laughs) So we're leaving those, but we'll put the queen and maybe a couple of her eggs in there because they are pretty fun when they open up. Yeah. It's a good effect. It's pretty good. So I'm going with the most obvious answer for the museum, but it's because it's essential to this movie. Well, I'm going to put something that'll go right next to it nicely. Mm -hmm. I love the exosuit. I love stuff like this <laughs> put somebody in something and make them drive it and it's like you know a second like whether it's vr or pacific rim and they're doing the the big uh chips and that i don't know what they're called i forget what they're called but, um they're like yeah. mech suits basically. yeah like any kind of mech suit thing power rangers does it like i fucking love that shit i eat it up so i love the exosuit and i think they should be next to each other uh, in the in the museum because of course that's the final battle uh, and I, I really love it I, I love exosuit so much you actually saw me watch an exo squad the other night uh, the 90s cartoon show <laughs> where the whole concept is based on people in exosuits <laughs> I literally was like is this for children it feels very clinical like, clinical I said it was clinical <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. I did say that that cartoon for children was very clinical. <laughs> I like mech suits. Can't help it. <laughs> well, we now know what you should be for every Halloween. We just need to get you one mech suit, and then the rest of your life, that's what you got to be. Yeah, I mean, somebody <laughs> wants to fucking get me a mech suit up down. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say it's going to be very good. <laughs> I'll make you one. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to drive it around. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're all just going to put toys in this because mine is all the like military car or whatever, like this tank car that they're driving where I'm like, this is like a shitty version of a, a uh, the Batman mobile. But like, <laughs> I love all of them or like the ship that's coming down and all the parts are moving and everything. I just love how they just expanded upon this. But it doesn't really get talked about much in these films because there's, I guess, there's just so much, you know. There's a lot of tech. Yeah, I do too. I like all this the the ships and the car and the mech suit. Obviously, <laughs> so we're just making a playset for. This. Yeah, I basically <laughs> love the aliens playset here. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really fun corner of the museum. <laughs> Uh, I'll put Newt in the museum. No, I'm kidding. That's that was gonna be my <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh my god, I'm putting Newt through the airlock as well. <laughs> oh, so so you you're gonna write the third one because that's basically what they did. Oh my god. I mean, like I've seen the third one once as well, and like I literally just looked at Matt and I asked him. I was like, doesn't she just get thrown away like immediately? And he's like, yes. <laughs> And then they wonder why I love you know the what? third one. <laughs> and that's the best part about a- the Alien franchise is that every movie throws away something established from the first yes, one. There you go. <laughs> and that's why it's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I will say uh, we took this movie to task. I think, especially me, I was probably the meanest to this movie. That was surprising. I thought I was supposed to be the villain of this episode, and you were like, this movie fucking so slow. <laughs> uh, I do, but I do, I want to say, I, I do like this movie, and I, I love this franchise, and, you know, it, even if it's the least of the three for me, 
it's still I like you know I like it. It's like how Dawn of the Dead is the least of the three for me of the, that trilogy. I still like that movie, you know, and I still like this movie, but I think it was important to take it to task because I bet any other podcast you listen to just sucks this movie's ass and, and rightfully so because there is a lot of good stuff happening in this. Okay. I, I'm not going to argue that ever. But I think it was important to kind of pick it apart a little bit. Uh, but I do want to make it clear. I do like this movie still. <laughs> I love how you choose suck ass as the like anatomy where you're like, that's where everyone goes for pleasure. Sucking of the ass. <laughs> yeah. I think nowadays. Most. I think so. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> the young people, they love sucking each other's asses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. He ain't wrong. <laughs> Here's the question. Do Xenomorphs even have butts? Mm. We don't know. They have birthing sex, but I don't know if they have butts. Well, they don't eat and they don't drink. Do so they, they probably don't. Well, I mean, I'm making that Did you just up. say I'm they have birthing up. sex? Is that what you said? Sex. I thought you said they have birthing sex. With and I'm your, like, the funnest sex ever. <laughs> That's... Gross. We have in- entered a weird area. Yeah, I gotta right stop. Now. I gotta shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I almost put this in the museum as the the fuck you to the big corporation, 20th Century Fox. They really tried to eliminate Sigourney Weaver from this franchise, from this movie, basically. But Cameron liked her character so much, and they told him, "Yes, write you know, write the movie." But they assumed that they could just replace Sigourney Weaver in this. <gasps> Never. But Cameron is like, no, no, I, I wrote the entire movie based on her character. Then they turned around and Sigourney Weaver and her agent, they just planted themselves down and said, we're not doing this movie unless you hit this mark. And she set a record for pay for uh, actress. I think she was paid her. 30 times the amount of her first. I believe Alien was her first movie. So she got paid around 30 times the amount. And it was around one million dollars. And pretty much set the standard at that time. So, yeah, it was like the ultimate fuck you to 20th Century Fox. And what are they thinking? It's like it was such a popular movie, such a popular character. And you just think, eh, replace her. She is the movie. Yes. Yeah. She's the franchise. Like, I think the thing that's frustrating for me as like a fan of this movie is this is kind of Ripley the movie. And I love Ripley, the character, but I do wish they did some different stuff with the character in this one. Uh, but it's a, it is. It's like Ripley, the movie. How could you do this movie without her? I love that she has stuck it to him. Every movie, every movie, she's got a pay increase. And every time it's just like, fuck you for trying to write me out of this franchise. Yeah, yeah she deserves it. It's people are honestly people are coming to see these movies for Sigourney Weaver and the alien practical effects or in the later ones, the CGI. And it's usually fun to have like some kind of Android on the. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's pretty much the three things. Have it be in space. (laughs) Yeah. Aliens, Ripley, milk man, (laughs) (laughs) milk droids, (laughs) milk droids. Yep. That's, that's how we're ending this. (laughs) And thanks for coming by Ashley. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I love, you know, just, Talking about all this shit. <laughs> Making you're, people mad. <laughs> you're always our sci-fi uh, guest. It's amazing. I know. I think that's funny that like 
an area that I think I was not as big on as a kid. I was, but I, I didn't see Star Wars until later. I didn't see a lot of these things until later, but I'm happy to be like the correspondent on it now. <laughs> I like I like your perspective because you didn't grow up with it. You know, like, I'm not a, a fanboy in a e- sense. Exactly. Like, yeah. Keep keep us honest and keep us yeah, <laughs> on task here. And like, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting perspective. Just, you know, fandom or whatever aside. To have it fresh, you know, you just saw this movie for the first time, you know, a couple yeah. years ago. And I think that's nice to have like fresh perspectives on these things, too. So thanks well, for always being. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy <laughs> to give my fresh perspective anytime you need it. <laughs> if you want to check out any more of my insights or Matt's also insights while he's high, um, you can check out the AF High List podcast. We are watching the 100 Greatest American films from the American Film Institute's list from 1998. And we are already like, we're nearing 70. We are deep in this list. So there's something for everybody on there. You can check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. And next week we'll come back with another alien. I think you can figure out which one. The next one. Are there three of them? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So remember to be kind. And rewind.